Thanks for tuning in to the Palm Beach Podcast, a weekly show highlighting people making a positive impact in our community. With your hosts, sports chiropractor and athletic trainer, Dr. James Spencer, photographer and art director, Mike Jones. Our show is brought to you by Pomp House Coffee Roasters, Opportunities in Delray Beach, and the Lotus Travel Company for retreats and tours in Palm Beach County. Hello, and welcome to the Palm Beach Podcast. My name is Mike Jones, hanging out at Media Zone on Singer Island with a couple cool people. Dr. James Spencer, how are you doing today, buddy? Always a pleasure to see you on these beautiful sunny days. Sunny blue skies out there today. Always. Thankfully here in South Florida. And I think we have a special guest in the studio with us today, don't we? Again, always a special guest, Dr. Marilyn Connor. Welcome Howdy. to the show. Yeah. <laughs> nice to see you guys. Yeah. And everyone missed right before we started, we actually shotgunned all of our seltzers. So <laughs> this is round <laughs> Sorry two. Sorry to the guests. <laughs> <laughs> Only joking. Doc, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell the uh, listeners a little bit about you and, and obviously PBE Equine. Okay, perfect. So as they mentioned, my name is Dr. Marilyn Connor. Um, and by my introduction, you might have guessed that I'm from the South. So I'm from Texas and I originally um, went to school at Texas A&M University where we greet each other with a firm howdy. Um, I've been here in South Florida for three years working at Palm Beach Equine Clinic where we're based in Wellington, Florida. And we are without a doubt, the largest sports medicine equine practice in South Florida, and we're one of the largest in the entire world. Um, so I came here directly after college, and I've been working ever since. I started off as an intern at Palm Beach Equine Clinic. Um, in veterinary medicine, unlike um, human medicine, you don't have to do advanced training after you graduate. You go through four years of undergrad, then four years of veterinary medical school. Day one out of school, you are legally entitled to do whatever you feel comfortable doing. You can open up your own practice, get a truck and start working, or go work for somebody else. Well, I really wanted to accelerate my career and elevate myself to a more advanced status quickly, so I pursued an optional um, internship. In Palm Beach Equine Clinic, we have a very advanced internship program because we have so many doctors, um, such advanced modalities. We have technology that's only rivaled by human hospitals. So I completed a one-year rotating internship where I um, rotated through different services like surgery, internal medicine, imaging, sports medicine, um, just to really get advanced skills quickly. And I worked with the over 35 doctors that we have in our practice, and they were able to mentor me. And then I was lucky enough that they offered me a job, and so I've stayed on, and here I am. That's awesome. Yeah, I love hearing that. And obviously, one of the bigger vets that I've ever heard of being out in Wellington myself. And you guys take good care of my clients. So I'm happy for that. Absolutely. We yeah. love taking care of all the different clients in different sports. What's your go-to sport for equestrian sports? You know, I treat horses in all different uh, realms and disciplines, ranging from your backyard companion horses. I have some miniature horses uh, that are clients all the way up to the top of the different elite sports that are common here in Wellington. So Wellington, Florida is known as the winter equestrian capital of the world. And we have an influx of sometimes as much as 20,000 horses come into the area for our winter show season from, it starts ramping up November, December, but really WEF, which is the winter equestrian festival is from January through April. Um, so I treat a lot of the jumpers um, and the dressage board horses and that, Primarily is because that's my background and interest. Um, I also do treat a large population of polo horses. Um, my boyfriend is a professional polo player, and you know I work with his horses and a lot of his colleagues and clients' horses. Um, and then, surprisingly, in South Florida, 
maybe a little closer over to Okeechobee and Loxahatchee, there's a large population of Western performance sport horses, barrel racers, cutting. Wow, um, yeah. So we've got a little of everything. Um, and then, you know, kind of subset of the jumpers is the hunters, which is different. You don't combine hunter slash jumper. They'll get a little offended if you do that. <laughs> but they both do wear similar attire and gear and jump over fences. But um, I have a lot of clients that are hunters. That's more of my riding background growing up. And I've been lucky enough to have a really special client. Uh, shout out to Josie Studding. Uh, awesome. Who has uh, reintroduced me to riding in the hunter realm. So Yeah, that's sweet to hear. So yeah. you grew up riding and now you're getting to create that passion and pay it back, right? Exactly. And I think reconnecting with the horses does make me more passionate about my job, which helps feedback to make me a better veterinarian. Um I kind of jokingly say, and my mom does as well, that I grew up riding horses, but I was riding horses before I was even born. So <laughs> she went on this epic trail ride with all of my extended family when I was, you know, in her stomach. So um, her uterus, I'm a doctor, I should say that more yes. accurately. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I've awesome. been riding since before I was born. That's really cool. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your background, kind of how you got into different realms because I think it'll be very relatable for some people out there. For sure. So how much time you want this to take up? (laughs) I can take up all day. We got a whole seltzer's worth. Perfect. Okay. Well, I'm going to refresh myself. If that's a time frame, is it? We could make that time frame really short or really fast. (laughs) So um, as I mentioned, I grew up in Texas and my mom was an avid horse person. She had her first horse when she was about eight years old, saved up and bought bought it herself. Um, and, and we so, hear she's quite a comedian. Oh, she is. <laughs> My mom, Mary Beth Yarbrough, she's hilarious. So one of your segments in the future will have to feature her. I love it. Her and my stepfather, they're entertaining. They have a huge heart for animals. And that's part of where I get my passion for animals. Um, growing up as a kid, I can remember my mom stopping when she'd see a stray cat or a dog on the street. We'd take it home. We'd take it to the vet, make sure it got med- good medical care, find it a new home, or sometimes keep them. <laughs> Oftentimes keep Low them. Ladder, yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're really special to us. Sometimes bad things would happen. I remember the time when I was a kid and um, we brought home a cat that my father was not pleased about. He was really not pleased when we all developed ringworm. <laughs> uh, yikes. Yeah, no boy, no. That's the thrill of rescuing animals, but... Um, you know, growing up, I really did think I wanted to do something in the medical field. Science was always my forte in class. I was just fascinated all the way from like the interworkings of the cell, the human body. Um, so I would constantly idolize my veterinarian or my pediatrician when I would go uh, to the office during the, the week, you know, for whatever needs you needed. Um, and through college, I still kind of hadn't really made that decision. I, I enjoyed working with human doctors and seeing what they did surgically and medically Uh, as well as the animals, Um, what eventually helped me loop back, I'll get to that later in the story, is that I really do like helping humans and animals. And I think that's something that veterinary medicine has that's unique that human medicine does not. I mean, obviously, you're not going to see a dog in a a human physician's office, but I deal with clients and horses every day. And the health of the animal often is integrally uh, related to the happiness of the owner. Um, so I went to Texas A&M for my undergraduate degree. I got a Bachelor of Science in Biomedical Science, a minor in Chemistry and Business, um, thinking that, you know, I needed to just kind of expand my realm in the business world because anything uh, veterinary-wise ultimately comes back to being a business. Yeah. Graduated um, in four years and got an honorary master's as well um, and still hadn't made that choice. And so I decided I wanted to take kind of a gap year to explore my interests and really immerse myself in both fields. Um, I ended up moving to New York City. Um, I was in a relationship at a time, and um, that guy was doing financial auditing. Um, And I thought, you know, I'm young. I don't have kids. Let's go. Let's do this. I've always had an adventurous spirit. Um, So I went to New York City and 
just a matter of connections and circumstance, I ended up with a job in finance, working at a hedge fund. Um, it wasn't something I necessarily planned to do, um, but it was something I found interesting and a new challenge. So I accepted it and went into it head on. Um, meanwhile, I was trying to keep my connection to the animal world. Um, philanthropy is something very important to me. So I found a way to stay connected in horses, even in New York City, where there's not a lot of horses. So, Just the cop ones, right? <laughs> exactly. And the carriage <laughs> ones, which are, oh yeah, 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 you know, there's a lot of controversy around that because people love seeing them, but they don't necessarily live the best lifestyle. Correct. Um, so I found a therapeutic riding program based in Brooklyn, New York. It's called Gallup NYC, which stands for Giving Alternative Learners Upliving Opportunities. Um, so I became a therapeutic riding instructor. I volunteered with the organization as the uh, volunteer coordinator, um, kind of helping facilitate people getting spots and times to help out. Um, all while working my job in finance, uh, which was very full time, six and a half days a week. And then on my you know half day off, I'd go teach lessons. Um, and that's when I started thinking more about what do I want to do and what really makes me happy and passionate. Um, I found my job in finance interesting. I found it intellectually fulfilling, but I didn't find it personally fulfilling. Sure. Um, and as cliche as it is, I've always been kind of one of those people that wants to leave the world a better place than I found it. Um, and I was doing that like a half a day at a time, but I thought I want to shift things to where more of my day is doing good and maybe less is focused on money. Um, you know, money is important, but it's not everything. So um, again, a matter of circumstance and timing, um, I decided to take a leap of faith. I quit my job. Um, I was offered a lot of money to stay at my job, but I decided that I wanted to move back home. I wanted to apply to go to veterinary school. Um, and I moved in taking care of my grandparents at the time. So that's kind of the circumstance and timing. They were old and elderly. They were very integral in my upbringing as well and helped kind of raise me. So I felt it was important to come home and take care of them and then work on my future that I really wanted to see long term. Um, and it was that therapeutic writing program that really was the nail in the coffin that helped me realize that being a vet would allow me to help animals and allow me to help people at the same time. Um, so I applied to veterinary school, um, got in the first time around, which is rather unusual. Um, Congrats with that. Thanks. Yeah, right. I actually didn't anticipate getting in. At Texas A&M, it's very common that you apply two or three times, and they look favorably upon that. That shows dedication and determination that you're not going to give up after one letter of no. Um, so I slapped together an application two weeks before it was due. Um, I had had a fall off a horse, and so it wasn't the best time to do it, but I got in, and it was great. Um, Did I, you tell him that Johnny Menzel bought you a drink one time? <laughs> <laughs> Vicariously, because he bought the whole bar a drink, of exactly. course. Exactly. Yeah, there's a bar on Northgate, and Northgate's the area where everybody goes to celebrate after football games, and after a, an especially big Aggie victory, um, Johnny Menzel was a pro football player at that time, and he, if you don't know football, he was a star quarterback at Texas A&M. And quite a notorious character. He was a bit, a bit of a big shot. Everybody Correct. knew him. <laughs> so he called in the bar that I was at, uh, unbeknownst to all of us, and the bartender shouts out, hey, guys, Johnny Manziel bought a drink on the house. <laughs> so Thank you. <laughs> exactly. I think we we sell, yelled whoop because that's another thing. It's like whoop, oh, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Aggies do. So there oh, was yeah. a huge echoing of whoops as we all you know drank our Shiner beer and clanked together and said, thanks, Johnny. <laughs> that's awesome. And he probably has an open tab there, you know? Like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Leave that Amex black card on file. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, during my vet school interview, I don't know if I brought that point up. <laughs> oh, you left that part out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the guy with the stern glasses and the really big mustache, I don't know if he would have been humored. <laughs> Either that or he would have said, heck yeah. Or he would have been like his number one fan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, one of the two. Exactly. And that was a fun process. Vet school interviews are stressful. Um, so I was accepted um, to Texas A&M University. 
I moved back there and spent another four years in College Station, Texas. It's a great town to be in. It's a really good college atmosphere and one of the best places to watch college football. If you've never experienced an Aggie football game, you got to go. Worth it, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I spent the four years there and decided that I really wanted to hone in on being an equine veterinarian. Um, I enjoy working with all species, and I do work with some dogs and cats. I, I would say I'm more of a general practitioner when I'm dealing with small animal species. Um, I do work some, some farm animals, um, like hobby farms. You know, they'll have a pet pot-bellied pot pig or a llama, et cetera. Um, it's alpacas. <laughs> yep. I've had some of those as yeah, patients. Sure. They are not the friendliest. No. <laughs> they like to share their previous meal with you. Yeah, they Ooh. spit, right? Exactly. Yeah. You got to wear the goggles, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, so my fourth year, or actually my third year of vet school, there was a big conference in Las Vegas, and it's a trade show, an educational continuing education event for equine veterinarians. And at that event, I met Dr. Scott Swordland, which is the president of Palm Beach Equine Clinic. And uh, I tell this story to him, too, and he knows it. <laughs> I was going to the tables in California or Denver and Colorado, and that's where I was going to go work after I graduated. That's what I made my mind up. I wanted to be in the mountains, and um, he intercepted me. I guess he just picked up on something in my vibe, and he says, I want to tell you about my practice. And I had heard very briefly about Palm Beach Equine Clinic, again, because I hadn't been focusing in on that area in my job search. Um, he educated me about the practice and invited me to come out for a tour during the spring break of my fourth year of vet school. Um, and I fell in love with the place. I fell in love with Wellington, with the practice, with the doctors there. And I realized it'd be a great place to start my career. Um, so I elected to do a one-year internship after I graduated um, and gained a lot of experience. But I just felt like the learning hadn't stopped. It had just started. Um, and decided to stay on. It was really unusual that they offered me a spot as an associate because they, you know, you just can't do that every year. You'll grow too quickly. But, sure. Um, Congratulations again. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank Had you, you been to Florida before that or was that the first time? I had been, but just on like a vacation standpoint. You Disney know, stuff or the beach or something. Exactly. Yeah. I had to go say hi to Mickey in the ocean. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. That's so what I we do here. I had heard of Wellington. It was in the magazines that I would read growing up as a kid about the top horse shows with, you know, competitors like George Morris and the big names would come there, but um, that was nothing, that, something that I was never able to do growing up. It wasn't in our family's finances. So when I came to Wellington, um, Dr. Swerdland set up a, a great week of exposure to everything at the clinic as well as everything in Wellington. So I got to see some of the shows um, in dressage and jumpers. And I like to say Wellington is like the second Disneyland of Florida um, <laughs> or Disney World. It's the equestrian Disney World. I mean, you feel like you've just gone to another planet. It's out of this world. And so I knew that was something I wanted to be a part of as a veterinarian. I mean, it's a melting pot of cultural diversity. It really is. I mean, literally, people come from around the world, um, all over the United States, but globally as well. So we have um, some of the top competitors from every major country that competes for the Olympics. Um, a lot of them choose Wellington, Florida as their winter base. And I believe from my understanding, the show has been going on since like the late 1800s. Wow, I didn't even realize it had been going on that long. It Correct. is much longer than most people realize, and there's been different phases and chapters of how uh, Wellington has evolved as an equine community, but it's it's longstanding. I didn't realize it was that long, though. Very cool. And it is, it's free to attend, right? And you just pay for your parking or unless you have a golf cart and live nearby. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I think is, is really inviting to a lot of the locals is if you've never seen any of these events, I behoove you to go because it's fun, it's different. And the environment's really cool. Absolutely. You don't have to be interested in horses at all to enjoy the experience. Sometimes it's like going to a fair or a circus. There's lots of food vendors, entertainers. 
Um, there's good shopping, and some of the food venues are actually quite tasty too. Jewelry, fine clothes, um, uh, paintings. Fun. Good, we have an artist out there, right? And good coffee. Yeah, the Pump House Boys are out there as well. They do have some good coffee. Oh, yeah. I enjoy their brews. <laughs> That's funny. So tell the uh, listeners a little bit also about the the philanthropy that you guys, not only do you personally do, but PB Equine does as well. Absolutely. So um, one of the things that was important to me, as I mentioned before, is philanthropy. Um, When I was an undergrad in uh, college, I started volunteering with an animal rescue organization, and it was one of the largest dog and cat animal rescues in the state of Texas. Um, I had a position on the board of directors and fostered a lot of homeless animals. So when I discovered that PBEC also has a real big heart for philanthropy as a practice, that further intrigued me as the or- in the organization for an internship and to stay on. Um, so here locally in Florida, we support an organization called Vince Ramos Therapeutic Horseback Riding. Um, and this was one of those full circle moments. So as I mentioned, I did therapeutic horseback riding in New York, and I was a certified instructor as well. So we have a program that's similar to what I uh, participated with in New York, Um, And we help people from all walks of life. Um, There's children all the way up to senior citizens. Um, They specialize in helping people with a variety of disabilities, but we like to not call it disabilities, just different abilities. Um, Kids that have physical limitations, maybe cognitive deficits. Um, Some of the participants may have emotional scars from divorce, abuse, uh, stressful life events, um, as well as we do target and help uh, veterans of foreign war or domestic war, um, whether they have scars that are mental incapacity or physical, um, such as, you know, a missing limb. Um, So they have a very large, robust program um, with lots of horses. And so the horse is not really, it's not a medical therapy. We're using the horse as a modality to encourage therapeutic change. They do have a subset, which is called hippotherapy, where you actually work with a physical, physical therapist, um, as well. So Palm Beach Equine Clinic is the official veterinary provider for Vince Ramos Therapeutic Riding Center. And, um, myself and several other of the doctors, especially Dr. Janet Greenfield, um, shout out, (laughs) shout out to Dr. (laughs) Janet, (laughs) We take extra good care of all those horses there at the center, and we've, you know, had to step up and do even complicated surgeries. There was a horse, Clark Kent, which you can see on the Vince Ramos website, as well as the Palm Beach Equine Clinic website that suffered a traumatic laceration of his front leg. And without that, he would have had to be euthanized. He would have subsided to a really bad infection. Um, and what a great name. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Superman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to those kids, he really is Superman. So he's a good That's boy. Special. Yeah. yeah so special. he was my special patient because I was there day one when we discovered the laceration. Then I took him into the, the clinic and Dr. Weston Davis, who's one of our surgeons at the practice, performed the tenoscopy and the repair of the tendon. And then he went back to the farm and then we did you know, three to four times a week, we were out there doing regional limb perfusions, bandage changes, administering antibiotics. And he made a full recovery and he's back into the lessons and teaching kids and being a happy horse. No coincidence, he's Superman. Exactly. And there is something calming about being around animals. Like everyone always says, like, add a puffy and like the tension in the room goes away. Um, we have a family friend that has like a, um, works with autistic children and it's a farm mm-hmm. and just feeding the chickens and being around the goats and the horses there's something about it that just really feels good you know so nature heals yeah so and it's great to like see how you could take like a passion from growing up Mm -hmm. and like find a way to get it back into your life in your career too for sure and it's very rewarding and fulfilling and the kids most of them there they're interested in what i'm doing so if i'm out and i'm doing a medical procedure 
you know, by human nature, some people are squeamish of blood. Those kids will gravitate somewhere else to the tack room. But the ones that are fascinated, they'll sit there, they'll watch me, they'll hand me instruments, they'll ask questions. There's even some that are interested in being veterinarians themselves. Um, so it's fun. Although I'm not teaching lessons, um, I, you could or would if I had more time. Um, but I'm helping out in a different way. And I'm sharing my new skills that uh, I bring to the table as a vet. And it's very rewarding to give back to the program that so selflessly helps others. Um, you know, so I'm happy to donate my time. And as a practice, we're happy to donate resources to make sure that program's able to continue to thrive. And you're inspiring the youth of today, mm-hmm. which is, I, I know for me, that's very fulfilling as well. For sure. I mean, the generation beyond us is going to carry the next torch, next torch. So we have to inspire those young minds. And like something that she said was so cool. I've never heard it phrased like that before, but uh, I was only doing like at a half day at a time. Mm-hmm. Like that's such a cool way to put it where like you knew you had more to give or more for fulfillment out there. Mm-hmm. Um, just really appreciate how you worded that. That was really, really cool. Yeah. And let's let's elaborate on that. Let's talk a little bit about the high school youth program that you guys run as well. Absolutely. So Wellington High School has a program that's targeted um, or labeled as the pre-veterinary track. So students that are interested in a career to be a veterinarian um, can choose to enlist in this program. Um, and it often entices and encourages other students that are interested in other careers, such as human medicine, dentistry, nursing, chiropractic, allied health, Um So these kids are enrolled in advanced science classes. They receive extra mentorship within the school on career coaching, how to apply to college. Um, And we as Palm Beach Equine Clinic serve as a satellite campus for that. So we allow students to come into our practice a couple days a week um, and they follow us around as doctors. We mentor them and teach them a little bit, a bit about our career, answer questions, um, you know, help guide them on what they can do to uh, enhance their resume um, help, let them help us with medical procedures as they're able to, um, and just give them an outlet for some of their scientific learning. Sometimes we'll even assign them uh, like a research project. And at the end of the period that they stay with us, which might be a couple weeks to a couple months, it's usually a semester at a time. Um, they'll present their research projects to us. So it's very fun to see. We're lucky to have that mentorship, right? Yeah. It's, um, it's one of those things where like you're probably touching one kid a year that like they're going to go and be, the next you yeah um you know and that's like so cool to see yeah it really is you know and they, the kids are really grateful and appreciative um and it's fun to see them progress as students because when they come they're little shy wallflowers most of them <laughs> and by the end they're part of the gang you know we're asking them to help out with things and sometimes we'll even have a case come in and we'll say what do you think your diagnosis is <laughs> and they'll tell us and they feel such pride and accomplishment that they've learned something throughout the course it's good growth too good experience good exposure and uh, I think that's me tipping my cap to you guys to see that how you're giving back uh, on both realms, you know, because a lot of people need that guidance and mentorship. For sure. You know, and it's, it's just not something that you fall into as a career, um, any type of medicine. You really do have to plan and you have to know. And, and also it's important to expose yourself to know what you're not interested in. It's not for everybody. And there's a lot of idealism and romanticism over careers in uh, medicine. You know, people watch Grey's Anatomy or Dr. Pole on TV and they think it's all roses and sunshine, but it's a hard career and you have to understand the benefits as well as the limitations and shortfalls, uh, the lifestyle, and to make sure it's a good fit for you so that you don't spend a lot of time and money going down the wrong path. One thing that I, I thought was really cool was the connection that you made with the the rider and, and the animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that I've seen in your practice um, where Spence will be working with athletes and um, they'll be like, yeah, the horse just doesn't do it this way or that way. 
And Spence would be like, oh, well, yeah, like your hips are really, really tight and you can't like put the right amount of weight or balance into one foot or the other. Correct. Um, and that could really affect the animal. So it's cool to see that it's like so much more going on. And there is that that dynamic of the the human to animal um, sure. that we've seen with your athletes. Better communication. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. And being fl- having better uh, hip mobility or whatever it may be. <laughs> that always helps too. Sure. But, but again, this it's, doctor can help with that. Yeah. <laughs> but I can help your horse. <laughs> but it's better communication is really what it comes down to. And if they don't even know that they're giving this input to the horse, oh, why is the right hind always a problem? Well, mm-hmm. it's because of your hips in this position. And it's, that's why you always knock that jump over, whatever it may be. So really cool to see both ends of the spectrum and, and how it relates to the sport. And really how working together will advance the profession. For sure. Absolutely. And it's so interesting that you mentioned that because sometimes when I'm going out to assess a horse for a performance-related issue, um, it may be an actual lameness where they're truly limping and a lot of pain, or it just may be a subtle performance issue. Like you said, knocking a rail or not executing a lead change when going from right to left, per se. Um, That I will oftentimes have the rider get in the saddle and watch what they do and how they perform with their horse. And there are things like that you'll see. They drop their hip, they drop their shoulder, they don't raise up the right hand. Uh, And then you talk a little bit more deeply with them and you realize that maybe there's some sort of painful process. And in order for us to fix the horse, we've got to fix the rider. So you have to look at it from a whole system approach. And it's not just the horse, it's a human and a rider together that are part of the equation. Correct. Anything uh, else, Mike? I think you got to say some thanks now. Who helped got you to. get to where you're at today? Got to. Absolutely. So I have a lot of people to thank. The list could go on and on, but I really do have to give a shout out to my mom, Mary Beth Yarbrough. Um, she was integral in helping me decide that I wanted to dedicate my life to taking care of animals. Um, and Dr. Scott Swordland for bringing me into this awesome practice. All my clients who uh, definitely uh, are appreciated that they trust me with their beloved pets and my boyfriend, Jeff Blake, who takes care of me and makes sure to even help me in the middle of the night. So sometimes if you call me at two in the morning, you're going to get Dr. <laughs> Marilyn and Dr. Jeff. <laughs> sure. I love it. Well, hey, let's cheers to that. Thanks so much for coming cheers. on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Woo. It was a cheers. pleasure. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Palm Beach Podcast. Our show is brought to you by Pump House Coffee Roasters, Opportunities in Delray Beach, and the Lotus Travel Company for retreats and tours in Palm Beach County.